thanks for coming out. Um, we didn't actually delay, but the prayers were more uh, sort of close, so you wouldn't wouldn't weren't able to hear them probably on uh, over the over the air. But uh, yeah, so thank you uh, for your prayer warriors and coming out first and foremost, and then being able to pray and encourage and be encouraged by one another. So, Lord, we uh, we give you thanks for uh, just protecting us, Father, uh, through this weather and, and, and from the viruses and diseases that are flying around us right now. And we know that you love us, Father, in so many ways. And we just thank you for showing yourself um, as faithful in so, just in everything that you do, Father. So as we dig into your word tonight, we, as always, pray that it would be rightly divided. And I thank you for my sisters and brothers that they will be able to let go of the cares of the day and focus on what you have for us here and now. So we give you praise and honor for um, everything in our lives, Father. And we know that uh, you have a purpose, you have a mission for each and every one of us. And I pray that we would seek you, Father, in knowing exactly what that is. And even now, as some of us struggle through our purpose of being here, Father, I just pray that that you would make it very clear exactly what you have for us. No one's here by chance. No one's here by coincidence. And it's all your purpose, your will. So we thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, tonight, uh, typically I've been in the book of uh, Ezekiel, but because of the last week or so with the teachings that we've been hearing, uh, especially this morning concerning um, just being uh, less of a complainer. And I pray that we will learn uh, to either minimize or eliminate our desire to complain. And we know that we have so many things during the course of a day that we can be thankful for yet we tend to focus on the negative. And the example that was given by the, the vessel this morning was the, 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 coming, the people that were, the Israelites that were coming through the time in the desert and no matter what the Lord did to sustain them, they complained about it. And I think we've all read the account of what was going on in the desert for those years. And uh, just by the grace of God, that could be any of us, and we do. We receive, I don't even want to put a number on the, the number of blessings a day. Yet, what do we focus on? This is what I don't have. This is what I really want. And the Lord has sustained everyone in this room. He has given us what we needed. And, but we complain because he didn't give us what we want. And I just pray that as we go through this tonight, um, that... We would, we would learn something from it, even if one word is spoken that encourages one of you and myself as well. I just pray that the Lord would just continue to work on our hearts. One of the words that I'm going to, well, first of all, we're going to dig into Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 13. So it's not going to be lengthy tonight. Philippians 4, 4 to 13. And I, I titled this. The virtues of a true Christian, underlining, bolding, uh, highlighting the word true. The virtues of a true Christian, Philippians 4, 4 to 13. Um, 
Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And in the Lord defines the heart that only exists in a true believer. And again, the word true, I keep using that because it's someone who's dedicated to the cause, someone who's being realistic about their belief or the, the things that they believe in, someone who not just talks to talk but walks to walk, true believer. And so you're going to hear the word true, and, and I'm, I'm, that's not always in what I'm talking about, but my heart is to um, just make it clear that we need to be truthful about what we're doing. Just be true about it. The joy of re and the joy or rejoicing is uh, unrelated to circumstances or conditions in life. It is a result of an unchanging relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And sometimes we get caught up into the circumstances or the conditions. And we have to realize when we're talking about joy, joy is not defined by circumstances or conditions. Joy is an impute something that's imputed into us through the Holy Spirit. Now, we can have happiness. I can be happy. And all that requires is surrounding myself with the things that I like or the people that I like. But that doesn't bring true joy. Not at all. And, and everybody sitting in this room, and if there's anybody out there listening, they understand, I hope they understand what that really means. And they realize that I've got all the stuff, yet I'm still not happy. I, I don't understand. I've, I'm born again. I've given my life to Christ, and, and yet things just still aren't right. But that thing that still isn't right has to come from within. You are not going to experience true joy by having stuff and things. So we need to have a personal relationship with our living Savior, our living Lord. And that's the only way you're going to attain that. And rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, I will say rejoice. Always. There's never a time, uh, well, when I'm at work, I, you know, I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit of a different type of Christian. I don't really talk about it because people get offended. Well, so be it. And that's easy for me to stand here and say that because I'm at a point in life where I'm not as concerned about what people think of me. And I'm not going to stand here and say I don't care, but I'm not as concerned. So if, if I offend you by talking about something that I love, then that's, that's how it is. And, and being bold enough to accept that and not concerned about me changing to satisfy you. And I'm not saying that everyone that's going to hear this, now they're going to want to change. You may affect their lives, but you don't know that. But don't stop teaching, preaching. Uh, expressing the gospel, no matter what. Because those conditions are not going to ever be what you like. When you stop doing that, then your heart waxes over and you lose that desire, you lose that passion, you lose that exuberance to, to praise the Lord. Praise him, no matter what. And, you know, a sister prayed earlier about something that she's going through at work. And the encouragement is to just keep being Doing what you're doing. You're, you're, uh, you're edifying the Lord and your co-workers don't like it. But again, when they talk about things that you don't really want to hear about, 
Do you tell them how offensive it is? And usually we don't. We don't want to isolate ourselves from them, but sometimes we have to do that. So just keep on rejoicing. Verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And that gentleness refers to contentment with and generosity towards others. It can also refer to mercy and patience. Graciousness with humility encompasses all of these things. Are you expressing grace? Are you expressing graciousness? Are you expressing humility? And, and as these, this gentleness refers to um, mercy uh, and grace, can you say that you're being merciful with these, in this particular instance, your coworkers, the people at church? Are you expressing mercy and grace? And these are things that, that we talked about during prayer, things that we need to ask ourselves. Are you expressing mercy and grace in your conversation with others? Are you just being, well, well, this is just who I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty harsh. I've been harsh all my life. And that's the way I'm going to be until the Lord comes back. But is that what the Lord calls, is that the kind of heart the Lord is calling you to? And I can judge and say I don't believe so. Because you want to have a heart like the Lord. And if you continue to read the word, I don't know if you could show me many or any places where he's harsh. And there are times when he had to be. You can give me examples of that, and I'll say, okay. But for the most part, he was gentle. He was kind. He was considerate. And he showed graciousness. Uh, is that where we are? And you say, well, it's hard for me to be like him because I'm in the flesh. But he doesn't ask us to achieve perfectionism. He asks us to aim for the mark. I'm shooting for that, that target. And it's, it's a challenge. I may not, but at least I'm not going to stop trying. That's what he calls us to do. Continue to aim for the mark. To miss the mark is to sin. So we have an opportunity to just keep on glorifying him no matter what. And this... Next verse, verse 6, is really one that I, I probably overuse, but it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I, I find it very interesting uh, because that anxious for nothing talks about fret and worry. And those indicate a lack of trust in God's wisdom a lack of trust in God's sovereignty, and a lack of trust in God's power. And I, I pray that we would learn uh, exactly what that means and, and how, do, how can I be anxious for nothing? There are just some things that really get me riled up. Here's how you do it. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. First and foremost, as we started out tonight, prayer. Praying for the things that... that that are, are that we're concerned about, and uh, and say with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Thanksgiving, we talked about that this morning because we we talked about how we we complain, and then the the speaker the morning took us to coming back to Thanksgiving, and that's where we need to be. Give thanks for everything, and rather than just focus on 
what we don't have. Let's focus on what we do have and how the Lord has blessed us. I don't think anybody in here tonight didn't have a meal at home or someplace. I, I like to believe that we, all, we were all fed well. We were all relatively warm wherever we were. Uh, we were relatively safe wherever we were. And those things, and, and just starting with that, I give thanks, I give thanks, I give thanks. But we, we had our warm meal, we, had, we left our warm home, we uh, left our s supposedly safe home, and we had to come out in the snow and ice. And that's when the complaining started. For some of us. But I'm not going to admit I was one of those. So uh, it would have been very easy to just stay home and, and sit on the couch or whatever and, and do whatever rather than come out in the elements. But I said, thank you, Lord. And, and somebody uh, made reference this morning to, uh, uh, to looking at that snow and think about what the word of God says, white as snow. Though our sins were scarlet, white as snow. And even that, to look at that and say, thank you, Lord, for that. For that. Call it a sign and wonder if you want to. But he gave us that. Somebody's being blessed because it's snowing. Somebody's being blessed because it's cold. Somebody's being blessed because now this gives them an opportunity to go out and enjoy his, his uh, yeah, just to go out. Majesty, thank you. Just get out there and enjoy his majesty. Somebody is thanking him for that. And yet there are those of us who are just saying, ooh, you know, that's not for me. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Yeah. All difficulties are within God's purpose. Gratitude to God is contained in all true and righteous prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. Prayer changes things. Uh, when I got an opportunity to uh, teach last Thursday, I was so blessed and things that, that happened that the average person didn't know. But there's a, a, a young lady that was here. Most of you may know her because she used to come to church with her family when she was young. And then she turned away. And I had not seen her since she was a child. And she showed up last Thursday, and it's like, oh, my heart was full. And because I, it's just that she came back. She was in tears and uh, just expressing how great, how amazing the Lord is. And that just blessed my heart. And then to even tonight to be able to share with a sister that I haven't had a conversation with in quite a while for different reasons and really trying to understand, you know, what happened you know, thinking that, I don't know, there was some type of separation. But after conversing, we realized that it, the Lord has just got us in different uh, paths right now, different routes. And, and I'm just so thankful that it wasn't by chance. It wasn't a coincidence that we got to talk. And, and these are the things that bless me so much. And, and I, I do have this issue about not always sharing because I know I'm not the only one. I know the Lord is doing great things in each and every one of us. He's doing great things for us, in us, and through us. And I just pray that we would be able to recognize those things and be able to honor him. And his word tells us that, tells us that uh, God honors those who honor him. And I just pray that we will be mindful of that. 
and that we would never take anything for granted. No matter what he's doing, there's a good purpose for it. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. We can only attain this peace when we have a thankful attitude with unwavering confidence that God is able and willing to do what is best for us. So are you saying that the God of the universe cares about my little idiosyncrasies? The answer is a definite yes. He does. He cares about everything about you. Everything. There is nothing too small or too little that does not get his attention. Does he love you? Yes, unconditionally. He does. Well, I don't feel love. If you're saying that, then I encourage you to get back into the word and read. And even something as simple as God is love. And there's no question marks. You know, there's no, no, the way to misinterpret that as, well, does that mean all the time? God is love. That, That encompasses all the time. He loves you, and, and I, when I say no matter what, it's, it's probably going to stumble some of you, but I'll say it. He loves you no matter what, because he knows the beginning from the end. He knows what you need, and when he says, I am, he's saying, whatever you need, I'm it. I'm he, and so you don't have to be concerned about feeling left out or unloved. God is love. He's always going to be there for you. And the word guard in this context means to keep watch over. God's peace will guard us from doubt. God's peace will will, uh, guard us from fear. God's peace will guard us from anxiety. And God's peace will guard us from distress. And we as humankind are subjected to all of those at any given time. All or at least some of those. Doubt. Fear, anxiety, and distress. And we're fragile. So we need that, that, that peace of God. We need that, that shield. We need that person to keep watch over us. We need it. It's not a, a nice thing to have. It's an absolute necessity. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. That's each and every one of us. We're prone to that. And no matter how grounded or tied to the rock you may want to feel that you are, you are still prone to wander. And how many of us over the years have left our first love? Yeah, we do that. We do that. And all of a sudden this, this well, not sudden, it's, it's, it's over a period of time, we just tend to stray away. Because some of us say the cost is too high. Look at what I have to give up to follow Jesus. Look at what I have to give up to be a child of God. Look at the cost. It's just way too high. I would just rather let go of this. And, and, and the, 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 one of the gentlemen that's here tonight said, I was a better Christian before I was a Christian. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't disagree with him. I don't, I don't know his life. I don't know his heart. But to me, uh, that's why, you know, I talk about a true Christian. A true Christian is a better person than what they were, ideally. Yeah, you you said, I'm a new creation. I've been been born again. I've been 
recreated. So as a, as a result of that born-again recreation, that means uh, something that wasn't so good has been made great. And so you are automatically, once you give your life to Christ, again, understand me, life is not a bed of roses. It is not. It's not going to be that. Um, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a bed of roses. We're looking for uh, roses without the thorns. But think about how our Lord and Savior died. He was subjected to the thorns without the roses. So we need to understand that he's got a better life for each and every one of us. No exceptions. And yeah, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. And in the human sense, we call that failure. God doesn't call that failure. He says, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to give you the, the, the courage, desire to pick yourself up. And then I'm going to send you back on your way. Now, he's going to say one or two things. He's going to say, go and tell no one. Or he's going to say, go and tell everyone, depending on you. Where's your heart in that? Now, the thing that he did for you, the thing that he did for me, this gives me an opportunity to tell everyone. And I'm thankful for that. I'll never take it for granted. Because at some point in my life, there is no way, and I mean this sincerely, that I would have imagined that he would have me here and now. And, you know, just like in, in Esther, uh, for a time such as this, there's a lot going on around us. And I, I feel confident saying this is going to be a very difficult year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. It's going to be a difficult year for all of us, if you care. But we have to keep our eye on the prize. Keep our eyes on Jesus because the tendency is going to be so distracting, so discouraging. And we, the tendency is going to be to get drawn into that. And now rather than talk about the things of God, we're going to talk about what men and women are doing that is so vile, so disturbing. And for those of us who are drawn more towards social media, it's going to be a real challenge because there are going to be a lot of things that are going to be out there that are not going to be true. How do you know that? Well, I saw it on social media. It's got to be okay. I saw it on whatever. But you want to know the truth? Here it is right here in this book, the truth. So anything that has happened in here, anything that is happening in here, Anything that is going to happen in here, just read. Well, brother, I, I find it very difficult to read it because I don't understand it. Um, think about this, just to put it in perspective. You just got promoted, elevated to your next grade level. Do you understand the books that this teacher is giving you? Most of the time, no. But you keep reading keep reading, keep reading, you begin to understand. And then there's three stages that you go through when you're doing this, trying to learn. First stage is impossible. It's impossible for me to learn this. Second stage is, it's starting to come around. Third stage is, I got it.
And that's how it is with this. Now we have one huge advantage over the world's way of doing things because he sent us a paraclete. He sent someone to come alongside us to teach us. You don't understand? Pray, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, guidance, discernment, and the Holy Spirit is there for you. It will never go. You've always got that. You always got that as an advantage. But you have to have the desire. I have to have the desire to want to know more. And the more you read this, the more you understand God's heart. And the more you love him. Don't give up. Uh, heart, uh, relative to verse 7, hearts and minds covers the whole inner person. Because of our union with Christ, he guards our whole inner being with his peace. And that's the only way we can do it. Only way we can do it, our whole inner peace. And that's what's important because uh, in a lot of us, the outside doesn't reflect the inside or vice versa. The inside doesn't reflect the outside. The God has given us an inner peace but we're so prone to try and influence our peers until we're willing to do things and say things that aren't really, we're not being true to ourselves. To thine own self be true. It's very important because when you fake, when you fake your belief, when you fake your, your knowledge, your wisdom, eventually the true thing is going to come out. I was subjected to it today, you know, when someone was telling me, you know, how he's been a Christian for many, many years. And as we talk, the more blue language I heard. And I have a personal issue. I detest bad language. And for the people that, that I can call friends or that call me a friend, they know that. But this person just met me for the first time. And, I mean, he was he was boasting on his Christianity, but the language didn't quite match. So again, that was just one of those things, uh, you know, that, that I got to see today. And it just, it really bothers me because if he's talking to someone who's not a believer and he's talking about what a good Christian he is, yet his language doesn't, doesn't represent, you know, what Christ would have. So I, I me, I don't understand that, but that's between him and his God, whoever, whatever that might be. Don't know. But he said he believed in God. So I've learned to listen carefully when people say that because God could be a large umbrella, the word God. Now, when you say Jesus, you narrow it down, but you don't always hear the, the name of Jesus used. There's something about that name. Yeah, so again... Whoever his God is, whatever his God is, maybe that's okay. But with the, 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 the one that I call God, the living Savior, Jesus Christ, I don't recall ever reading where his language was vile. Maybe I missed that verses, those chapters, but, uh, you know, I, 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 never, I haven't seen that yet. So I'll keep reading, but I'm not looking for it, but... You know, even when he was turning over the tables, his, he kept it clean, as we would say. 
Yeah, so praise him. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Whatever is true is only found in God, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, and in God's word. Whatever is true. Noble means worthy of respect, and believers are to meditate on whatever is worthy of awe and adoration. Are you in awe of Jesus? Do you adore him? And again, uh, your answer is an indication of where your heart is. Only if you're honest. Only if you're being true to yourself. Just refers to what is right. We are to think in harmony with God's divine standard of holiness. What is God's divine standard of holiness, you ask? I would say, read the word. This is something that we have to learn for ourselves. What is his standard? You know, some of the things that we do or don't do just don't align with with the heart of his. And we need to be aware of what those things are. The only way you can know his heart is to read his word. And we saw the old thing, you know, old saying, what would Jesus do? Read. Read. I have a situation where, hypothetically, a situation where Jesus is asking me to witness fellowship with someone who my, my humble opinion, I, I would rather not. But when you really think about it, he's given us examples in his word of asking men and women to do things that it's like, uh, this doesn't sound like a good idea to me, but it's for a purpose. And then when we see the outcome of that situation, now we begin to understand. So everything that he's doing, the, and I just think about, especially over the years, last two years anyway, there were people that I avoided. And I've never really avoided anybody in my life. <laughs> you know, but uh, he just said, you know, stay away from this person for now. And what he made me understand was something that in my heart he uh, referred to as spiritual growth through separation. And he gave me, uh, the Lord gave me uh, Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. It, you know, they were, they were, they did good together. But at some point, he saw an opportunity to make them do good things separately, even better things separately. And there are other examples, but I just think of that one. And so eventually what he did, he brought things around to his timing where I was able to uh, be at peace with these individuals. And I'm thankful for that because if I didn't really trust him, I would have never even had a desire to do that. And it was a challenge, I'll admit it. Because there, there were just some things about them that, you know, I, I, my, one of my sisters, uh, she, she gave me a, a document, it's called Desiderata. And one of the things says, uh, beware of loud and aggressive people, they are vexatious to the spirit. And that's what I saw. Now, that's not biblical, 
but it was just that one of the things that he taught me, and I and that was one of the issues with one of the uh, one of the people that he had me stay away from for a season. But after he straightened things out and brought it back together, it's been a true joy in the true sense of the word. It's been a joy. So I'm thanking for that. So he's uh, he's always got a plan, always, and it's always good. Pure means morally clean and undefiled. Do you have a pure heart? Is your heart pure? Is it morally clean and undefiled? And the answer is whatever you're being honest with God. And I know that the scripture says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And that is true. But again, that doesn't mean that you're doomed. That doesn't mean that you don't, you, don't have, you don't have the capability of reaching the where God wants you to be. But it is true. We can be, we can have a pure, morally clean and defiled heart one minute. And then because of circumstances or some incident, all of a sudden we can change. We can blurt out. We can be like this man was this morning. You know, I can get here and preach the word and then someone comes up and does something or says something, all of a sudden my continence changes. My desire is to not allow that, but again, there's just, we're in flesh and the flesh is relentless. The flesh always wants to show me as something less than what God would have me to be. My flesh always never stops, never stops. I'm going to prove to you that you're not worthy of being a child of God. I'm going to cause you to do something that's going to make you question your religion, your faith. And I can't stand here in all good faith and say, that'll never happen. I wish I could, but I would not be, I'm not being honest with myself. And there's probably somebody out there maybe sitting here or hearing this saying, oh, well, what are you doing there if you, you're really not strong in the faith? And it doesn't mean I'm not strong in the faith. It's just that I'm being true to myself, knowing that I can be affected by circumstances. And am I contradicting myself? Perhaps. But I'm a humankind, and I am prone to change in some respects. But I'm still going to continue to lean on Christ no matter what. That's just... My thought. The term lovely means pleasing. We are to focus on whatever is kind and gracious. In, a, in, in this text, a text of verse 8, a great report refers to that which is highly regarded or thought well of. Do you have a... Do you meditate on, on what God has put on your heart? Are you conscious of him all the time? Are you? No matter what is going on. No matter when you think you failed, he's there. No matter when you think you're doomed, he's there. No matter when you think you just out of his grace, out of his grace, he's there. He's there, my friends. He never, ever, ever, ever stops loving you. Ever. Ever. Nine, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. 
But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you liked opportunity. So when, when we do these things, when we, I, I rejoice greatly that now I, at last your care for me has flourished again. Are you aiming for that mark? Are you still striving for, for, striving in a positive sense for what he wants you to do, what he wants you to be? Are you still aiming for that? And, and strive takes on a negative connotation to some of you, may, maybe all of you, but continue to aim for that. Continue to go for it, no matter what. Verse 11, now that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. And, and as we were praying tonight, I was thinking about this because it's just that someone feels that they're not being uh, uh, treated fairly. Am I supposed to be content? Is she supposed to be content in that situation? And that's between her and the Lord. And it's hard to be, you know, because I've, I've done, I've given, I've done my reasonable service, yet I'm being, I'm getting negative marks because of your perception of what I'm doing or not doing. Am I supposed to be content? But it says, now that, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. We can only attain this peace when we have a thankful attitude with unwavering confidence that God is able and willing to do what is best for us. And, and I, I, I touched on that, that earlier but I just want to reemphasize that it's just so important to know that he is with us. Wavering confidence and doing is able and willing to do what is best for us. Verse 12, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul knew how to get along with little or much. And that's what I pray for us, every single one of us, uh, that we learn to get along with little and much. And again, this has been a great part of my life. Uh, in my early years, my teen years, it was much. In my latter years, not so much. I won't say little. The Lord is still blessing, and I'm certainly not going to complain but how he's, he's had to show me the error of my ways. Made a lot of mistakes when I was younger. And uh, some of us probably did too. But the Lord had a plan. He was able to bring me through it, kept his hand on me, and showed me where I was making missteps. And he brought it back. It didn't, it wasn't, he didn't bring it back all the way like he did with Job but he brought it enough so he could teach Richard some lessons, and he did. And he continues to do that. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul had the strength to endure difficulty and prosperity in the material world. The material world, Paul had to exist in a material world. We have to exist in a material world. How are we gonna let those things determine or shape how we live. Strength, endurance, difficulty, prosperity. 
because we are in a material world. Christ infuses us with his strength to sustain us until we receive the necessary provision. How he sustained this sister to, to stay there, to stay in this situation, she could very easily have just said, you know what? I'm not getting a fair shake. I'm out of here. But if she's not seeking the Lord in that, she could possibly run into a situation that's even worse. Say, wow, you know, I had it pretty good, but, you know, when I started to look around, that grass looked much greener on the other side. And that's a common mistake among all of us. All of us. Christ infuses us with his strength to sustain us until we receive the necessary provision. Now, um, I'm just going to talk about briefly a true Christian. Brother, you're talking about a true Christian. What is a true Christian? Help us out here. Give me some examples of what a true Christian is or does or doesn't do. A true Christian understands the value of reading and studying the Bible. How do you know that? How do I know that? 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. Lord, what is my purpose of being here? I just want you to listen to me. I just want you to be obedient to my word, to my will, and my way, and just follow that path that I've set before you. I know you have your plans, but I'm going to guide your steps. And that's what he says to us. And I just pray that we would really learn the true meaning of that. And that's an indication of a true Christian. Another example, Romans 15:4, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope might have hope and in his word he takes away the word might I have given you a future and a hope he makes it very clear that there's a plan for your life in no uncertain terms you don't have to wonder what does he have for me he has something for you and he wants you to recognize it and if you continue to follow that you will all right what a true Christian listens more than speaks that's hard. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Tough call for a lot of humankind. Let every man be swift to hear. Well, I'm not swift to hear, but I'm swift to talk. Well, that's not what the word says. The word says swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And some of us get upset very quickly. You know, and, and the Lord is, is just trying to encourage us through James 1.19 to not allow that to, to, to guide this vessel. Uh, Proverbs 29.11, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. And if, if I'm going a little fast on these, I don't know, for you note takers out there, I'm going a little bit quick. But, uh, you know, if you, if you really want to know, I can provide you with all, everything that I'm saying right now. A true Christian, here's a tough one, avoids arguments. What? Where does it say that? 2 Timothy 2, 24, 25. 
and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. So when you're arguing, are you arguing to win? Because for the most part, if you get into this debate, nobody wins. You're spending an hour having a conversation, being in opposition to one another, and then you realize it's been an hour, hour and a half, nobody's moved. I haven't convinced you, you haven't convinced me. So what was the whole purpose of this encounter? A true Christian avoids arguments. A true Christian does not get involved in trivial matters. Second Timothy chapter two again, verse four. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the fear of this life, that he may please him who listed him as a soldier. Key word, soldier. You're here for a, a specific duty. And when you in, engage yourself in trivial, and I, I, I made reference earlier to the things that we read on, on social media, and we spend more time talking about that than we do the Word of God. A true Christian does not get involved in these trivial matters. True Christian, a true Christian can be taught and corrected. Show me proof. Well, how about Proverbs 9, 8 and 9? Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. May not sound like what we're used to hearing from the, the scholars of the world. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke the wise man and he will love you. Oh, well, brother, I, sister, I didn't really know that. Now that you've enlightened me, praise the Lord. And, and that's part of our calling is to instruct you in the word. You know, like we're doing right now. Uh, I thought these things were okay because everybody else does it. Well, that's never been a real standard to follow at all. A true Christian can be taught and corrected. What does Proverbs 10, 8 say about that? The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. It's a fact. These things have been proven out over and over and over again. And if you look with the right heart, the right temperament, the right attitude, you will see that these things are still going on. A true Christian can be taught and corrected. Ecclesiastes 10.4 says, If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post. For conciliation practices great offenses. Well, you offended me, so I'm out of here. And he's saying, not necessary unless the Holy Spirit has given you uh, the signal to move on out. We do that. You angered me, so I'll show you, so I'm going to quit this job. Oh, okay. Oops. Who won there? <laughs> A true Christian is not easily offended. How do you know? Well, 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, A true Christian does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Well, I'm not supposed to think evil. 
A true Christian is not easily offended. You don't let those little trivial matters get to you. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every, again, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Wow. That's tough. Uh, Proverbs 19.11 says, Discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Can we overlook transgressions? Some of us can. Some of us are not very good at it. It can be a real challenge to us. A true Christian submits to and respects authority. Difficult one. Romans 13, 1, 4, and 5 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And that is very difficult for me. Let me continue to read. Uh, for he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sakes. That's a challenge. So I'm always supposed to obey the powers that be. We don't like the answer. The answer is that's what the word is encouraging us to do. God put them there. God has a purpose for them being there. And it's very difficult when we see the things that are, are being brought forth by the talking heads or the, or, or the uh, powers that be. Very challenging. Well, I'm not going to follow that person because I don't believe where they're going. And again, I just want to take you back to one verse of scripture that says, follow me as I follow Jesus. And through wisdom and discernment, you can make a better decision. But he does ask us to submit and respect authority. A true Christian knows that he or she cannot argue with everyone about everything. Some of us do. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, all persons. Lord, you're asking a bit much here. But he's not. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all persons. A true Christian understands the importance of having a good name. This is one of those where you could say, well, I don't really care what people think of me. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Uh, tough call for the flesh. I'll take that silver and gold. I don't really need friends. I can buy friends. It's an old world saying that doesn't hold any water at all. You can't buy friends. You cannot. So having silver and gold doesn't mean that. Now, uh, something that I learned in life is, you know, when I was a young man, having access to excess and thinking that I had friends. And then when the chips started to fall, I realized that they weren't my friends. They were friends to my silver and gold. And once the silver and gold dissipated, the friends did like did also. So 
A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. We're almost there, friends. A true Christian is careful about the company that she or he keeps. And I spoke on this uh, a while ago. And uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts, corrupts good habits. It's a fact. I'm living proof. Evil company corrupts good habits. Well, I, I'm really strong in the Lord, so that doesn't affect me at all. If you keep hanging around that, there's more, more of a chance that they're going to corrupt you than you are going to con convert them. Psalm 1.1. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. True Christian is careful about the company that she or he keeps. And be careful. Be careful. And I've heard this right in this body says, well, at this church, I really don't feel loved. So I say, well, how about checking out Proverbs 18, 24. A man or person who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A lot of truth there. And, and I, I know men in my life that I can honestly say that that's the case with them. They stick closer than a brother. And, uh, you know, when you say you're not loved, I, I, I get to challenge you to go back and read the word and really understand what this Proverbs 18.24 says. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Are you showing yourself as a friend? Or you just suspect people to flock to you because you think you're all that? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, to me, that's what it's saying. Not only that, but you are speaking against what the word of God says. You don't feel loved. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Tell me what you think that means. And when it says God is love, he cannot lie. He is not a respecter of persons. Put all that together. Now, what do you got? So now you're sitting here telling me or standing here telling me that you, you don't feel loved. And, and I, I observed the person that said this. And they come out and they stand against the wall. They don't sit with anybody. They don't communicate with anybody. Yet they say they don't feel loved. Show yourself a friend. Last one, a true Christian has a biblical view of the world. First uh, Corinthians 2.16 says, For those who have known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Do you? Do you have the mind of Christ? If you don't get it, it's good for you. It's good for what ails you. And First Peter 4.1-2 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. We should not be concerned about being people pleasers. We should be concerned about 
doing the will of God. Yeah. Father, we just thank you again for this time that you've allowed us to come together to fellowship. And I pray, Father, if there was even one word that was spoken that discouraged my sister or my brother, Father, I pray that you would just uh, strike it from my minds even now. And I just pray also that uh, if there was one nugget that they gleaned from this, Father, as words of encouragement, that you would just magnify that word, Father, in their, in their hearts and in their minds. So I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to share what you put on my heart. And I'm just so thankful that uh, our sisters and brothers uh, decided to come out in this weather and, and just hear what the Lord has to say. Not look at the, the old vessel that he's using, Father, but what he's doing. And I just pray that with each and every one of us, Father, it wasn't just words from, from the, the book, but it was more than that. It, there was actually life application, Father to understand what a uh, true Christian is and isn't, what a true Christian does and doesn't do. But we know that you have a plan for each and every one of us. I pray that you would teach us individually and you would teach us corporately, Father, the things that you would have us to know. So, Father, we just thank you again. We pray for traveling mercies for each and every one of us, Father, that you would get us home safely and that uh, we would just... Uh, if it be your will, Father, we would rise up tomorrow morning with new mercies on our pillows, saying, thank you, Lord, for another day, another chance to get it right. I'm so grateful that uh, for the things that you're doing. I'm so grateful for my sisters and brothers, their willingness to share and be totally honest about what you're doing in their lives, Father. And that we can be that those encouragers, we can be that person that comes alongside in, 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 in addition to the Holy Spirit, Father, and just to let them know that they are loved and that Jesus has a plan for them and his plan is always good. So we give you praise and honor for who you are and we give you uh, praise and honor for whose we are and may you receive all that we have, Father. May you continue to, may every word that we utter, every deed that we do from this day forward may it glorify you and you alone. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Uh, be safe. And uh, I look forward to the next opportunity we get to share.